0: Thank you for tuning into ACA's first industry podcast. Today, we welcome Barbara Wood, who is the CEO and founder of Boo Buddies. For those of you who don't know, Boo Buddies provides free in home professional counseling to help children and adults coping with the unseen emotional side effect of cancer, a side effect which could ultimately affect tumor development, spread, and therefore survival. Barbara, lovely to spend time with you this morning and thank you so much for being a part of our first industry podcast. Yeah, my pleasure, Melody. So jumping into our first question here, tell me more about your journey in starting Brew Buddies and your decision to train as an oncology psychotherapist.
1: Okay, so a little bit of background. Um, In a previous life, I was married to a barrister and um, I walk the walk and I talk the talk and I wore that label very well and then circumstances happened within that marriage and the marriage ended. And I floundered because I was no longer a barrister's wife. So, you know, I had to then find myself. And for ever, I had done gym and I'd done coffee. That's all I knew. So I've not worked before. And one night I thought to myself, okay i have to find myself and i simply went on seek and i thought what do i want to do i want to work with people so i um saw the degree at the australian college of applied psychology which was a bachelor of applied social science and i filled in the form and i hesitated and i thought will i send it why don't i send it will i send it won't i send it anyway obviously i sent the form in and um, This was coinciding with going through a property settlement with a lawyer. So for any listeners out there who've been through a divorce multiplied by a million, if that's with a a lawyer. Anyway, after uni I went and I commenced my studies in Melbourne, and then I met with someone in the library one day who'd transferred up to Brisbane just for the experience of going, you know, same institution, different um, state. So I came up here and I stayed with family up here and was with the family and was studying full time. um, I sort of found study quite easy because I was really interested in it. So I began volunteering at a private hospital on the Gold Coast. And for whatever reason, I was invited into ICU, onto the oncology world, ward, sorry, and back and forward. And I guess when, um, for myself, I have a thing about people who don't tell the truth and feeling trusted. So if you're in ICU and you're dealing with families or dealing with extremely unwell people, they have no time for anything but the truth and the same on the oncology ward or in day oncology. So yeah, so then I I graduated from uni in 2012 and established Boo Buddies actually as a private practice. And I was seeing people and they were coming to me and they were paying my hourly rate. And then I sat back one day and I thought, what's going on here? I'm doing this to help alleviate the stress levels of people who have cancer because Monash Uni have done a study and people who suffer from chronic stress. The tumour progression is six times faster or the cancer travels six times faster through the lymphatic system. So I thought, well, you know, this this isn't working. Then a journalist actually approached me and he said to me, wow, you have a story to tell, but you need to line your ducks up. You need to get your ducks in a row. And I thought, I'm not lining any ducks up. Well, obviously I did. So Boo Buddies is not just a not-for-profit, it's a public benevolent institution, which means the government actually acknowledges the need, but for whatever reason right now, as we sit here conversing, they don't fund it. So when I saw this unmet need before I established it, I mean, I guess, you know, for you, Melody, even though you're, you know, many years younger than myself, How often do you hear someone say, well, this is wrong, things need to change? And then life just goes on. So for me, it was this very challenging world that people enter into when that door of oncology is open to them. So yes, so then Boo Buddies came to be, and I am beyond humbled to be invited into the homes of families for whatever reason at the moment I have young mums with little kids stage four so if you know the world of oncology that means it's incurable Um, and we work together and I am blessed because we all need to be reminded each and every day of our lives that now is pretty much all we have and we're not guaranteed beyond that so that's how boob buddies came to be.
0: That's very true Um, so is there a particular moment that you can recall or reflect upon with us now um, that really confirms that, that what you were doing with Brew Buddies um, should be continued into the future and, and a story that really struck a powerful chord with you? Um,
1: yeah, sure. There are so many. So maybe I'll go to a beautiful young mum I've met and I met her perhaps three and a half years ago and um was invited into her home and she had at that stage she has two little girls now that's one stage when I met them one little girl was five and the other was three so and my patient was seated on one couch and I was on the other couch and her little girl had her back to me and was coloring in and all of a sudden the little girl says to me hey Barb and I said hey And she said, I was one when my mum had no hair and my sister was three. And I said, oh, wow. And I bet mummy looked just as beautiful. And she just smiled at me and went on colouring in. And then since that time working with this young mum and her extended family, the young mum believed that one of the contributing factors to the genesis of her cancer diagnosis was an extremely traumatised childhood. So, within time and at the appropriate time, um, I'd planted the seed, and she came up with the suggestion that maybe it was time to sit with the parent. So off we went and we sat with the parent and, she did a bit of a barb and before she actually started to speak she said now listen what i'm about to say is my story your story will be different but it's my story in life that has affected me and not your story so we did that then within the next 18 months or so we worked a lot on gratitude because i think people forget what gratitude is all about and even for the horrible things that can occur in your life if you're able to sit back and reflect and be grateful for that occurring, I mean, I'll just jump off that story for a sec. So for myself, um, thank God my barrister husband had an affair and the marriage ended because I would not be sitting here today. I would not have founded Boob Buddies. I would not have been invited in times. I would not have done a million other things I've done nor had the experiences I've had. So anyway, back to my young mum, we worked on gratitude and forgiveness and forgiving herself for having had those feelings um, because it's okay to feel how we feel, but to be able to articulate it and get rid of it. So now, why the clock forward to maybe a month ago and the young mum um, is unwell with her cancer diagnosis, but oh my goodness, we've worked so hard that it does not define her. She is still all the other things we are in life and she got her first shift she she applied for a job and she used to be a psych nurse so she didn't want the responsibility of being a registered nurse so now she's an AIN and you know what Melody if she only ever does that one shift it doesn't matter she stepped forward and regardless of what's happening internally within her body she she wants to live this life so that's one of many stories that have. I, I just know it has to be. So my ultimate aim is that oncology psychotherapy be incorporated into a patient's treatment regime, and not be offered as an option. So, before I exit this world, that's what I want to achieve.
0: Yes, definitely. So, cancer no doubt has such an emotional toll on the well-being of particular individuals, as you've explained in your stories. Um, but also more so it has an emotional toll on the family members around them, the ones that they're potentially living with, the ones that are taking care of them between hospital visits potentially. Um, what are the service offerings that Boo Buddies implements to hone in on, on the emotional toll that may be experienced by the family members?
1: So with Boo Buddies, um, we are the only charity, not-for-profit to provide the free in-home service. Like there are telephone consults, but you very rarely get the same person that you spoke to last time. So you pretty much, they have to tell their story again and it just, it's it's tiring. Um, so we decided also not just to help the person that had been, diagnosed with cancer but also the family members because as you quite correctly pointed out it has a ripple effect and the one thing that we focus on is to keep these family members talking to each other and having honest conversations not tiptoeing around you know and maybe I won't say this and maybe I won't say that because we all know if that happens within a relationship that relationship finally fragments and goes because you need to communicate so that's what we do we sit with kids husbands mums dads anyone who's not coping
0: the impact of cancer can be quite emotionally distressing even for family members even to the point where they feel unable um, themselves to reach out for help Uh, maybe this is because of maybe lack of information of available services or maybe they're completely emotionally exhausted um, to the point where they can't even voice that they are struggling So how does Brew Buddies ensure that individuals in this vulnerable class receive access to the services that you are able to provide?
1: Pretty much through the patient themselves because people who are diagnosed with a terminal illness look through a very different lens than we all look through. They actually know that time is limited. Of course, they don't know how much time it is, but we tend to know it, but we don't actually acknowledge it. So they will say perhaps to their husband, you know, like, oh, I'm so sick of what's going on between us, you know, why don't you go off and have a chat? So for one um, one husband in particular, he, we were having a chat and he was talking about his cricket injury. So I listened to him and he went on and on and on about, and I don't know, his bowling and his shoulder and he was so c- uncomfortable at night and he couldn't do this and he couldn't lift and... You know, I understood that maybe it was debilitating. So I listened to his story and then just sat back and looked at him and said, Gee, I wonder what it would be like to live with metastatic bone cancer day in, day out. Oh, must be terrible. Meaning, you know, look who you're living with. You're living with someone who has this struggle day in, day out. So anyway, that night I received a text message from the wife. And she said to me, what on earth have you done with her husband? And what on earth did you say to him? I've got my husband back. And so, as you quite correctly said, people don't know how to respond. People don't know how to react to someone who has a cancer diagnosis. And I can tell you that 99% of people I sit with are so over people telling them to be positive. Like, what's positive? Be positive because I've got a terminal illness It makes the other person feel better because they think they're saying something useful, but in actual fact, they're not. So as I said to you before, it's so important to get people to have honest conversations. That's also with a filter, but honest conversations.
0: Yes, definitely. Um, My next question relates to our listeners. And as you know, the members of the Australian Counselling Association are quite varied in their experiences and their qualifications. But for those counsellors that may be listening to this podcast and may be interested in pursuing this type of area of work, what would your advice be?
1: My advice would be to perhaps contact me um, because if you look up oncology psychotherapists, there aren't any. There's maybe one or two scattered Australia-wide. And then look up the statistics of cancer diagnoses. So let's go... um, I keep talking, well, I'll talk about breast cancer because we all hear that, you know, one in eight women are diagnosed with breast cancer by the time, you know, they're 84 or something. I can't recall the age. Now it's one in seven. Um, People are living longer. Does it mean they have the quality of life? Modern medicine can keep you, you know, alive longer, but you don't necessarily have the quality of life. And there are certain ways I've just learned from... The people that I've sat with, not from a textbook, not from journal articles, but from the actual people as to what they find beneficial and how they, what helps them uncover and dig, their, dig up their own thoughts and be able to articulate them. So one of the things I am thinking of doing is running a few courses and not only for people in the therapeutic world who want to do this as a living, but also just for family members who don't know how to speak. You know, I've sat in day oncology with people and very, very sadly, on more than one occasion, um, my patient's been hooked up to the IV and, you know, has their chemo running through their veins and a nurse may rock up and read the chart and the look in her eye just destroys the person, right? because she hasn't been poker-faced. And maybe the chart does say things that the person doesn't need to know or knows, but doesn't want to acknowledge. So I think even the medical professional profession, they need to learn how to communicate with someone who has a cancer diagnosis. Um, I even sat with an oncologist, quite a well-known oncologist one day. And I said, out of curiosity, what difference do you think it would make if you sat opposite someone and you were about to um, tell them they had cancer. And people are told very abruptly. Sometimes it's even a phone call. And he just you know, tilted his head and looked at me. I said, well, if you were to say to someone, okay, I've looked at all your scans and you know, we see that you've got a whole lot of cells here that are multiplying and dividing really rapidly and just over here, you can see that they've clumped together. So we need to treat these cells. The multiplying and dividing rapidly of cells in this instance are cancer cells. The clumping together of those cells is a tumour. So rather than say to someone, you've got cancer and you've got a, a tumour here and you need to now start to undergo chemotherapy and then we'll follow that up by radiation and da 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 da, da which is information overload it's a much more gentle approach because the word cancer itself, pretty much to anyone diagnosed initially, cancer equals death. But if you speak about a disease in the body, which cancer is, um, it's, it's a softer way of communicating and not so overwhelming. So I think language is really important. And as I said, this has been brought to my attention by the beautiful people I sit opposite
0: So Barbara, in terms of family members who have lost somebody to cancer, how does unresolved grief tend to physically manifest itself?
1: Okay, so this is an interesting question and many people believe that they have had a support network through um, their loved one's diagnosis. So say, I don't know, say dad was diagnosed with lung cancer, And then you might have your mum and you might have your sister and you might have your brother and you've all pulled together and you're supporting each other whilst, you know, dad's going through the grueling treatment and all associated things with a diagnosis of cancer and then dad dies. Perhaps only to one member of that support network, they may, say for example, develop an eating disorder. And for a therapist to look in, it's because they've lost control. So they've lost control of being able to support the person who was diagnosed. They've lost control of belonging to a support network because everyone's life goes on. And so internally, they will start to control what they can control. And so many people can control what they eat, can't they? They can control their eating regime. They can control their exercise regime. So they amp up what they can control because when life is taken away, um, we've lost control. We all think we can, can control everything. We can't. We can only control what's happening within ourselves. And sadly, for some families, they believe that they're supporting each other, but they actually don't know or don't have the skills and strategies to do that at such a level that when the person dies, they can go back into society because life does go on.
0: Absolutely. Um, how can members of the counselling community contribute to the mission of Brew Buddies or be involved? Oh, great.
1: (laughs) Well, you can go onto the website, which is www.boobuddies.org.au and press donate. I just think to spread the awareness. So if you're listening to this podcast and you didn't know this service existed, to spread it amongst the community because you never know, it might just one of your friends might pass it on to one of their friends who might be in a position to financially help Boo Buddies because at the end of the day, it it costs money to run a not-for-profit and also to inform you because there's been a lot of awareness brought to people about the percentage that of funds raised that actually goes to the cause. Um, I have an amazing board and everyone on the board volunteers their services. So this pretty much goes to pay for putting a therapist out there, having a car on the road. And with Boo Buddies, we're not time bound. So it's not run by an hour. You know, you're not watching the clock and you don't say, okay, so, you know, you know, I have to go now. Or one of the main things I just want to bring to people's attentions is that when I am invited into someone else's home, they are immediately empowered, right? No matter how disempowered they feel because of their diagnosis, they are immediately empowered. And when someone's empowered and when they're in their safe place, they are more able to to find the words, to dig deep, to articulate what they want to say. And you know what? And sometimes it's just being in their home and sitting in silence because sometimes people just want to know they're sitting with someone who sort of gets the world they're in and that that in itself is healing because to me as a therapist so aside from Boob Buddies I also run a private practice called Inside Out Psychotherapy because I really want to focus on people acknowledging their emotional diseases before they become chronic before it becomes their normal and before it manifests into a physical disease because you know look we're experiencing terrible times most people now they live in fear or uncertainty you know control what's control we do we don't know what control is we so we think but we have so much control within ourselves and the greatest gift we can give ourselves is to find someone who can help us find our inner peace so that our embedded cellular memory memories are peaceful. So that's, that's still where I, where I think. I think everyone needs to really focus on gratitude and finding whatever their own inner peace is to them because it, it's paramount in life.
0: Yes, definitely. Thank you so much for speaking with us today, Barbara. I'm sure that many of our listeners have gained much insight through everything that you have discussed. Thank you so much and thank you for inviting me here today. Thank you.